I guess we advance. Uh, we're waiting to see who we play. What's do you have a score update tonight on that? It's rained out, like I said. Oh, sorry, I, I'm blank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's okay. Obviously, Leland's not listening. Welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leland McRae. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. Joe Deck, Lila McRae with me as usual. Uh, glad that you are listening. Uh, we have a very lengthy interview that we will get to in just a second. If you're a Nats fan and you have been disappointed with our Nats coverage, uh, this will be for you. Uh, this is going to now start off, though, in the Valley Baseball League. The Stanton Braves are still alive. Um, they are as of current recording about to have their season end in Charlottesville, unless they have a miracle comeback, they are getting pounded down there in Charlottesville. But uh, they took the one Oh series lead in game one, winning three to one game two. I was at on Sunday night. Uh, it was a great game. Salada pitched a really, really good ball game outside of the first inning where he got into some trouble. Uh, he settled down, had a pretty good outing. Uh, the Braves only have 10 players on the roster. Uh, they've had a lot of guys leave. Uh, some guys go to the Cape. Some guys go home. Uh, so it's hard when you only got 10 guys on the roster by my count, five of them were pitchers. So you had pitchers in position plays, uh, which brings me to my next point. Even though Stanton didn't, did not win this game. They were very much in it all the way. The game went into extras when they lost. Uh, and the reason they were in the game is because of Paredes, uh, Jaylee Paredes, who is listed as a pitcher. He had three regular season at bats, the whole Valley baseball league regular season. He comes in. First at bat of the game goes Apo Taco, uh, just mammoth shot over the fence. Three run homer tied the game, and then later in the ball game he hits his second home run on a no doubter that he just totally you know, he got around on, put the barrel on the ball and it just flew out of the yard. I was so impressed. Uh, he he's two twenty. He's a big guy for a pitcher, uh, and he had you know when he came up to the plate and hit that first one, I was like, oh my gosh. The swing like that, because here's the thing. I mean, it wasn't like one of those cheap home runs either. I mean, Leland, you're familiar with the fences out there and yeah. at the mocks. They're tall fences. You got to hit it pretty high. And that was the you only question I had. Fit all those ads. I mean, you got to get everybody. You got to get the sheriff's ad out there. You got to yeah. get a lobster. My, hey, my dad's face used to be out there, too. So you, you got to have a tall fence to get all those ads in. Right. My only question was if it was going to be high enough. I knew it was going to be hard and far enough. Uh, and it it cleared no problem. And then, uh, that second home run, as soon as he hit it, I mean, the outfielder just stop and stare. I mean, that's all he could do. Cause that one was crushed. Uh, so about to the second tee box back there on the golf course. I was worried he was going to kill a bird's family, a bird in the family and any <laughs> eggs that were in there. That was the only thing I was worried about with that one. I mean, he crushed it. It was disappointing that Stanton didn't win because I, you know, I said this on 40 sports this week as well, uh, which is already up due to playoff constraints uh, with timing in there. But uh, the world is a darker place for us not knowing his favorite animated Disney movie. And that was the biggest disappointment because he was definitely going to be the guy that got interviewed if Stanton pulled that one out last night. Um, but I, I do want to commend the 10 guys that stayed uh, and are playing in this playoff series that looks like it's going to end tonight. This is the four seed coming in. They beat the best team in the Valley League uh, regular season in two games. They swept them. And they took the third best team in the league to the ropes uh, and really had them on the ropes in that game twice on uh, Sunday night. And they just couldn't get enough to do it. Um, I, I mean, that brings up the article from Patrick Hite 
and uh, it came out today. And it was kind of the talk of the weekend with Stanton only having 10 guys left on the roster. Like, should they move the season up so that you can't move these it up. seasons can get, you know, move the end, I guess, shorten the season and, and get the playoffs done sooner. I, I just don't know. Reading the article, I just don't understand the logistics of that. Like, you, you got to give these kids enough time to get enough at bats, enough plate appearances, enough innings pitched, you know, and, and I know there's limits too, but it kind of goes both ways. And I, it's just a tough thing. And apparently they've always dealt with this. I don't recall it being as drastic as it is this year for the Braves particularly, but if there's a way maybe to play more scheduled double headers, but that's, you'd have to do those in the first three weeks because after that you're hitting so many rain games, you're playing natural double headers because you have to. So I, I don't know what the real best solution is, but it is a shame not to see the core of the team still there. You know, if you lose a couple guys here and there, one guy going to the Cape, you know, another guy needs to get back early. Okay. But when you're de- depleted, that's just, it stinks. And, but I, I do take a positive away from this and we can circle back to that topic and get your opinion. But I do take a positive that this Braves organization, the manager, you know, there's been a lot of talk about manager and, and I like that he has his team fighting. I, I appreciate it. I'm not saying any old regimes wouldn't. I'm just saying I do take this as a positive sign out of this group of management that they have these guys fighting. They have the pitchers out there making plays to be competitive in these games. I know tonight's a little different, but those first two games, one and one and then competitive in the second. I like it. I think it's a good sign for if they're going to keep this manager around. I, I like it as a sign for the future. I'll touch on both of those points there. Um, let me go back first to the yeah. original point about the Valley Baseball League season. You can't move it up. So that's a that's null and void. Yeah, not move it up. I um, guess just try to get the playoffs. Try to get the games there. in quicker. Yeah. The problem with that is, okay, then you're adding an even more taxing situation to arms, uh, meaning that you can only pitch guys so many innings in a week and so many pitches in a week. And if you do double headers, well, okay, well, now we're shortening the number of innings that they can pitch in a week, essentially, because you got to play two games in a day. Uh, shortening the number of games total. This is a not-for-profit league. Some of these teams are doing better than others. And for the ones that aren't, that's a tough ask. Uh, so I don't think that's a real option. Uh, you know, I, I saw some comments, too, on the social media post about the article that, I you know, you just roll your eyes because you can tell who doesn't go to the games and who doesn't have who has a, been to a Valley League. Yeah. And who doesn't have any knowledge of what's actually happening uh, in the situation. Um, I, I think the Valley Baseball League, the only thing I could say that I think they should consider doing that maybe would help in some of these rainout situations, not all of them, because when it's pouring down rain the whole day, there's nothing you can do. Um, maybe a tarp at some of these fields would be good. Uh, and it, this might just be me being that's spoiled hard, where I grew up from a nonprofit league too. I mean, that's the same. Well, but point. this, like, okay. But here's my problem with that. Um, a lot of teams play on this field. Stanton high school plays on this field. Why doesn't Stanton high school have a tarp? Cause I, I honestly don't know. I, I don't know if I've been to a field with a tarp. And I guess that's just me being from a different area. Like, I was talking with my brother about this cause he played baseball and he knew for sure, which ones didn't did and didn't. And I, grew up in that area and called a lot of baseball games up there too. And I just remember each school up in that County and the city of Winchester have a tarp. Uh, Warren County has a tarp. Uh, Warren County is a County that I would consider very equal to Augusta County. And really the only difference is it's probably a smaller uh, 
population base total than Augusta County. Um, hmm. I So for me, I just don't understand why that's not a thing. Do um, those girl, the softball fields up there have lights? Most of them do, yes. Yeah, and see, we're fighting to get like a school with that. So I, I, I don't know. Honestly, I guess it's just different priorities. Gonna, I don't if know. If we're going to talk high school, if we're going to like include the fact that the high school teams play on most of these fields, Waynesboro is the case, Stanton's the case, Newmarket is the case. Um, I, I, there's pro- probably more. I don't see – I'd rather see for the high school's money to be put to – the lights for the girls. Cause I've, no, I, I agree. I, and if that's a yeah. problem, yeah, you, <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. I'm not um, saying you're done. I'm not trying to imply that you don't mean that. I'm just saying if we're talking where these schools put money, that's, that's just maybe instead thought. of buying, you know, new football jerseys for the 10th consecutive year, maybe we'd spend some money on another program. And I know that's a popular argument among people that aren't involved in the football program. Um, I'm not trying to attack football. Football's very good for us. Uh, and we like covering it, but I will say it, those programs have a legitimate gripe when the football team gets new uniforms for the 10th consecutive year or whatever. And we're looking at no lights on a softball field or no tarp for a baseball field, you know, basic essentials to help take care of the facility and make sure kids don't get hurt. I, I'm, in, I'm interested in the money fact figures that are different. I also am slow to bash football and them spending money on football when it is by far the one that brings in the most money. It's just, it's hard for me to be quick to bash them when they already are putting money into other sports pocket. But okay. But if they don't if get buying, new football, if, they're, they're if they don't get new football jerseys one year and they buy they're a tarp, not buying three new jerseys every year, they're buying one and they're cycling every three through from the schools that I'm aware of. I don't know. I, but I don't if, know. if they put off a football Jersey for one year and buy a tarp or buy lights, is that going to kill the football? I, I, how much is a darn tarp? Lights are way more expensive. I think we're talking two different ball fields to put a pun on it. Uh, when we're talking lights compared to football jerseys. Um, but the tarp might be relevant. I, I I don't know how much a darn tarp costs. I know one that I want to buy to move leaves with probably costs more than I want to spend. And so I get the cheap one and it breaks. But um, I, yeah, maybe league wide. Like let, Let's back back up to the Valley League. Let's back up to there and say like maybe there needs to be a, a an a overall effort where they well pay. apply for some we grants or something too. I mean that that's the thing. There are grants for this kind of thing. The Valley League could apply for. Some of these schools could apply for uh, booster well, yeah, programs. Make that a target. Yeah, make they that have a target. From Major League Baseball, they have the sponsorship from the certain bat company that provides the bats. Like yeah, go get the tarp making company and and get a good deal on it and have a big logo of theirs right on it or sell logos logo space on everybody's tarps. There's an idea. That's a decent idea. That's yeah. more ad space. I was just making fun that's of all the But that's the only thing I could – that's the only thing I think the Valley could do to change the rain because at the end of the day, uh, you know, we joke about it on 40 Sports. Short of building a dome, dome – yeah. yeah, short of building a dome, there's not much you can do about the rainouts. Um, and I just think – I don't know. I There's no easy answers for how to stop kids from leaving in the summer. But I just think I don't know. That could probably be the name of our podcast. Well, yeah. But <laughs> my my point being, I I think when you say there should be less Valley League games, I think if no. you got to be careful because then you're saying there should be no Valley League at a certain point because then that's what's going to happen because and, this is a not for profit league and some of these teams are going to go under if you do. I that. realize the Cape Cod League is the the cream of the crop. I I there are too many summer there. I I would not consider the Valley League one of these extraneous summer baseball leagues 
but there are other summer baseball leagues that should not exist. Um, there are a lot more than there used to be. There are a lot more than there used to be. And there are some that should not straight should not exist. I won't drop any names, but, um, I, I just, some of these leagues are an absolute joker fest and but that's not getting in the way of the Valley baseball league. And these kids aren't, no, 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 no. I'm not talking. I don't think I'm talking about the one you're thinking of. Um, so when the Cape Cod league, do they, I mean, they rain out, it rains in the Cape. What, what they got all tarps up there. I imagine they have all that money. Yeah. Are they still playing right now? Oh, they must be. I mean, Andrew check is still playing up there. He's still playing. I just wasn't sure if that like wrapped right up or what. So I, I mean, I I'm know. not looking at their I schedule. I'm sure they're in the playoffs. This. They've got to be in the playoffs at this point, because I mean, if you're not in the playoffs and you're a summer baseball league at this point, you're doing something wrong because the kids are going to have to report back to school here soon. So, yeah. um, I, all right. And, uh, your second point about the coach, I know that was another popular I, thing yeah, to yeah, pick yeah. on Stanton, uh, was the coaching changes. It looks like they got the guy they needed, though. I mean, this guy's done a good job. And like you said, Leland, the 10 guys that are there are fighting for them. Uh, I saw a lot of pride. It was really cool, too. I mean, Paredes gave a curtain call. The crowd that was there was very supportive of the Braves, uh, and the community got behind them. Uh, it's it's going to be a shame if they go out here tonight, like it appears they will. But um, definitely nothing they should be ashamed of. They had a pretty good season uh, and got to the South League Finals and came up just short against a pretty good Charlottesville Tom Sox team. I mean, uh, and Charlottesville's a strong team. I mean, I said all year you have to wait till the playoffs happen, and I, I like the Braves proved me right a little bit. Um, and and they finished strong. It's a great sign. So um, I'm I'm excited. Uh, moving on, the Orioles. Uh, they're the Orioles. They had a rough series against the Blue Jays. Came back to make it respectable. Um, and and their problem is just. You know, they've they've dug themselves in such a deep hole. It does look like we might not be the worst team in baseball this year. Uh, we have won six of our last ten. The team is playing a lot better this month than they have previously. Right now, you're playing for respect and pride and to prove that you have something to be a Major League Baseball player in this organization, which is fine. I don't if, have a problem with if that. They, if they have a good week coming up, I'll, I'll give them more redeeming quality since we like to argue about that. If they have a good week this week, then they have some more redeeming qualities than I give them credit for because they yeah. play the Yankees and the Astros. They're going to be overmatched. We'll see what happens. Uh, Anthony Santander had his own international fan club this week, which was pretty great to see. Uh, they had International Scouts Day, and the scouts from the U.K. were in left field where he plays, and they were just eating up Anthony Santander. I don't know if there's a story behind that, if they just he's the closest player on the home team to him. So that's why they loved him. Routine fly balls are being caught and they're going bananas. It was great. It was hilarious to see. Um, they got rebranded from the international scout section back in the first inning when they were mentioned and honored to the international Anthony Santander fan club, which they loved as well. Um, he gave them a curtain call, which was hilarious. It was, it was a fun time. Uh, and in a very dark Orioles season, uh, that's probably one of the few highlights. Well, I mean, you got to take your positives. I think I was driving against you the other week. Uh, you got to do, you do have to grasp hold of the positives and it, and I shouldn't bash you for doing that, Mr. Negative. So yeah. Just, yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. Tell me about, I'm going to be, we're going to roll reversal during Virginia tech football season. If they lose the opener to Boston college, but there's my Joe, you're just assuming it all bad already. Yep. Uh, we'll talk about the Nats again in the interviews coming up with Mike Cerrone and Ben Simpson, uh, Leland, and I are two people that get paid to talk 
Uh, so just imagine, and we go long, just imagine how long it's going to be when three of us are on there, uh, when I get Mike and Ben. Uh, so you're going to find out here in a minute. But just the other MLB talk, um, Boston is collapsing. They have lost yeah. eight straight coming into tonight. That is a team that yep. looked like maybe they could salvage a wild card. And now, remember when I said they were dead? Well, they're dead. They're yeah, 14 and a half out of the wild card, and it's delish. It's a lot it. of wasted talent. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, the only other local stuff going on right now, uh, all the practices are getting going. I know golf tournaments already got going, and I know Wilson won the first Shenandoah District Tournament, so uh, they're usually strong at golf. That's good. But also just good to see the stories and the football get going. It, it gives me hope that football will be back soon. Um, but it's a big week. I do want to hit on a point with you, Joe, and it's something that's not extremely local, but just to the north of us, Broadway. They, for their getting ready for the season, and I know, I understand the concept. They're trying to get people hyped, but they have something they call Midnight Madness or something like that. It's usually and a basketball like, thing, but yeah. Yeah, and it's like their fourth practice. It's at midnight, and fans come. They get them in the stadium. They have the lights on. It starts at midnight. I believe it's their first time in like pads, like full pads, like first time hitting. And okay, they do that. I could not be more against them doing that. I don't understand why in high school you're creating a uh, uh, an event at midnight to where these kids are getting on the road at 1.30 in the morning where you would hope they'd be at home sleeping in their normal sleep cycle, ready to go for the for the next day, you know, being healthy and all that. Instead, they're forcing everybody in their community that's around the football team to be out on the roads at 1.30 in the morning. And I just, I don't understand the priorities of having something like this. I don't disagree with you. I think it's a bad idea altogether. I mean, you said they got in pads and hit each other too. I just, I believe uh, it's their first time hitting from what I've heard. I don't, I guess I don't know that for a fact. It's not dubbed with that on the, on the hype on Twitter. I just, I just don't get it. I just, it seems against the values of what you want your kids doing. You want them in bed. You want them at home. Um, you know, it just, it just seems, it seems like the wrong image to send. And this isn't uh, the new coach. Well, doing okay. It. I mean, oh, no, doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also further to your point, it's midnight. So if they are tired, because you know, yeah, I know high schoolers day. don't always sleep the best hours, but if they usually are asleep, uh, and so now they're tired and they're hitting and that increases the chance when you move slow, it increases the chance of getting injured. Um, great. That's, that's exactly what you want is during some meaningless preseason hype thing to get a kid injured. That sounds like a great yeah. idea. So I really, I really don't get it. I couldn't disagree with it more. Maybe someday we'll talk to Broadway's coach and, and have a debate about it. Cause I, I'm not I saying I, I won't listen to why it's a good thing. I think I understand the concept of why they're doing it. I just don't agree with it because I think the negatives highly outweigh the positives. He's going to listen to this and he's going to hate us for it. So he's not coming. Yeah. Out. I also want to make a quick correction that it's something I said. I said Boston was 14 out. That was a bit of an overreaction. They're only six out. <laughs> just double plus some, but whatever. Yeah. I was looking at the wrong thing. <laughs> I, they're 14 away from the best record in the American League. My B. <laughs> <laughs> All right, before we get out of this segment, just an update on that Braves game. It's still 10-2 to 2 in the top of the ninth. Braves have to score eight runs here in the top of the ninth. So looks like the Braves are going to be going home, and uh, we won't be talking about them next week. So let's get to the B block where uh, we get the good interview with the uh, guys about the Nats.
And this week on the Yak Sports Podcast, we have Ben Simpson and Mike Cerrone. Uh, these are two of my friends that I've worked with, I've gotten to call games with. I called a couple games with Cerrone at the Siegel Center in Richmond a few years ago at the VHSL basketball tournament. Called a game with Ben up at Maryland at the Comcast Center one year. Um, so these guys are very knowledgeable. That's why we've got them on. And uh, they actually watch the Washington Nationals, which is why we have them on. So we can have some informed Nationals talk rather than my Orioles uh, brief viewing of Mass and highlights on the Nationals talk. So I don't know how informed <laughs> you're going to get here from us, uh, <laughs> Joe. And I do remember calling those basketball games in Maryland. What I remember most is the producers screaming in our ears all game. <laughs> And me going, yeah, I'm never going on live television if this is what it's like. <laughs> I, do. I also remember that and being like, okay, he's telling us very he's telling us the not was, to break down like, the replay. And then the next yeah. sentence out of his mouth, okay, talk about the replay. And I was like, wait. <laughs> he, and he would not stop talking the whole time in our ears, the whole the whole oh. game. And like it was, I was like 17 years old, and this this guy's screaming at me <laughs> from the truck. This guy, I'm going, uh, okay, I'm sorry, I'm trying my best. I'm sorry, I'm not. You I mean, know. the best thing I, I remember about broadcasting with Joe was just the beers later. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember the broadcast at all. Um, honestly, I guess it must have been a blowout or something because that's the usual broadcast that I get put on are all blowouts. Yeah, but we're happy to talk a little Nationals baseball. Just don't ask us about last night's game. Yeah. Sure, uh, we won't do that. That was that wasn't pretty. No, that wasn't. Um, well, and, you know, to finish up wrapping stories, I also remember with Cerrone um, finding out which levels we were supposed to be at. Uh, the ones we thought sounded good apparently were not good enough. So had to yeah. go ahead. And, we know to stop at the red now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cerrone never stops at the red. No, not really. Just uh, I just go with the flow, honestly. And it, that's why when we have a, uh, a producer, then I don't have to worry about it. So then I just, you know, I just talk normal and I loud. I'm loud. It's tough for Mike to concentrate yeah. on multiple things at once, like talking and doing other things. It's not good for the guy. Yeah, no. he barely can walk and talk at the same time. It's true. <laughs> it's true. Right. I can argue. Well, we'll we'll give it to Ben here first. Ben, uh, your thoughts on the Washington Nationals 2019 season so far? It started out really bad, and then they've seemed to turn it around a little bit, uh, and have actually right now, if the season ended today, would be in the playoffs. Yeah, it's it's pretty wild. I mean, Mike and I were ready to basically stick a fork in this team a couple months ago. We were uh, we were very heavily on the fire Davy Martinez bandwagon. We had signs printed up. Uh, we had the T-shirts ready to go. We're ready to march down there to uh, Nats Park and uh, and protest. But uh, and then weird thing happened. This team started winning, and we're like, where did this winning come from? And you know, it's one of those things where. On paper, heading into the season, I think you've looked at this Washington Nationals roster and you go, okay, this is, you know, they don't have Bryce Harper, but they had young talent and, and Victor Robles wants. So, like, we thought this was going to be a good team. And then they just could not put together a good April, uh, March and April and uh, and May. And, and then we thought, okay, I guess this is going to be one of those seasons. And then they just turned it around. I mean, the pitching finally kind of came around and was on fire, uh, which made up for the terrible bullpen that this team had. Historically bad bullpen. Um, and then some of the bats started turning around as well. Brian Dozier was a guy who they brought in that it was a very streaky hitter. Uh, he was on a very cold streak to start the season. Then he turned things around. Um, Anthony Rendon's been tearing it up. And so it's been, it's for Mike and I, especially with the show that we do, it's like, you know, we were doom and gloom for a couple months there. Uh, and then this team just started turning it around and it's a lot of fun right now. I mean, like you said, they're in a, in a pennant race in a way. Um, uh, possibly if they can make up the ground with Atlanta, but at the very least, they're 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 in that wild card bunch, 
in the National League with teams like St. Louis and Philly and Milwaukee. And it's a lot of fun right now for Nats fans, for sure. Mike, I'll toss it over to you now. I mean, there at the beginning of the year, I, I, like Ben said, it looked really dark, uh, and you guys apparently were ready to quit. And my first reaction was, this is the Orioles from last year, a team that thought maybe we can compete for a wild card or a division, and then turned into a dumpster fire the first month of the year, and it just all snowballed. But as Ben said, it kind of turned around. Now, what I want to ask you is about the manager, Dave Martinez. Uh, I remember <laughs> when the hire was made, I was like, odd choice with Joe Girardi out there. But... um no one has hired Joe Girardi in the Nationals' defense, so it's not just the Nats. And Dave Martinez is still there. Uh, has this recent run of success kind of given him a stay as far as you guys are concerned, or do you still think he's the wrong guy for the job and they're almost winning in spite of him? I mean, to be quite honest, when they first hired Dave Martinez, I was – I mean, what is it, Dave, Davey? I don't know. What, I mean, yeah. that was a big thing right when they first hired him. Like, what do we call you? What do we call you? The guy's just like, just, just call me yeah, whatever my name is. But anyway, so – when they first hired him, I liked it because I was a huge Madden fan when he was with the Rays and then he moved to the Cubs and he had a lot of success with both squads. Uh, so I, I thought of him as a predecessor of Joe Madden. So I was like, okay, this is actually going to be a good thing. I like having a nice young gun in there uh, that's kind of uh, not Matt Ad or Matt Williams, who, you know, everyone thought Matt Williams was a, a superstar. And then all of a sudden he just blew up uh, after year one. Uh, but you look at it and say, you know I was like, okay, it's his first year managing. Okay, you know, give him a pass last year, but we have to see something this year. And throughout the first beginning parts of that entire season so far, you know, I was, I, Ben heard, heard everything from me. Ben was so pissed off because I just kept getting pissed off and basically directed my anger at Ben. And uh, <laughs> yeah, suddenly I was Davey Martinez towering in the corner. So recording our podcast, and I'm just yelling at Ben the entire time. He's just like looking at me like, dude, just calm down a little bit. Where he's not here. Um, but uh, honestly, <laughs> you look at it, and I was just like, why is this guy still the manager? I kept saying, you have to fire him, you have to get rid of him, you have to do all this kind of stuff. But then they started winning, and everyone kept you know, giving him a pass because, oh, yeah, you know, you know, he had injuries, and he had this, he had that. The problem was is when we didn't have injuries or when the bullpen wasn't blowing up or whatever, it was always as an excuse that they had to make for him, like they were kind of babysitting him for a little bit. And I just didn't understand why they had to babysit him when our team is actually playing well. Anthony Rendon hitting over 300. Juan Soto was just on fire uh, from, I forgot which part of the of the year on. And he's still on fire, hitting almost 300. And it's like, why, when you have two guys that are in the top 16 in the National League in hitting, why do you have these excuses for a guy that should be managing the bullpen and basically let his all-stars and superstars to be, like Juan Soto and Victor Robles, go out there and play? I just don't think he still gets a pass. I just don't want it to happen. I mean, I'm, I, like I said with Ryan Zimmerman, I have a huge you know vendetta against Ryan Zimmerman, but it's not it's not personal. It's not personal. You have to produce on the field, and countless times we hear. I mean, we didn't hear it with Dusty all the time. We, we heard some things with Dusty about, oh, he didn't do this right, he didn't do that right, but the team was winning. And the difference is, is if you're not winning all the time, it, yes, we had a nice little stretch there. It was against, you know, lower opponents, you could say. So we had a stretch about, I think it was maybe four out of five series where we played teams that were way under 500 or below in the whole entire standings. But I just don't believe that he can get a pass. You cannot give a guy a pass that cannot consistently win, especially in these series against the L.A. Dodgers and against Atlanta Braves. If you don't have that winner mentality, I always told Ben, you have to be cutthroat as a manager. That's why you see Joe Madden and Joe Girardi 
and uh, Joe Torrey, all the Joes, I guess you could say. Uh, right. I guess your Good name names. must be Joe to be, uh, to be uh, a manager. <laughs> and uh, I, when you have these type of guys that go out there and say, we're going to step on your throat and we're going to kick your ass. I don't know if you can cuss on your podcast. Sorry about that. That's but, okay. <laughs> overall, it, I, you, you just see those guys go out there and they just, you know, you know, back up their team. And they always have that killer mentality. But when you see Davey go out there and everyone's, you know, it's going crazy when he gets thrown out of one game and it was like, oh, sweet, that was a forced argument you just had. It just makes no sense to me. Like, you have to get a guy in there. And I know the learners, they have these, you know, uh, these, these thoughts about managers, which they don't like to pay the manager. That's why they didn't get to Girardi and so on and so forth. But you have to get a guy that goes out there. Me and Ben actually talked about it uh, a few months ago uh, when they were, you know, struggling a little bit, saying, you know, we would like to get somebody off of, you know, MLB Network or someone like that, like, like you see some of these former players that are coming in here and they're actually making a huge difference. David Martinez, I, I think he's nothing more than a bench coach. Like that's, I mean, he can, he can give you advice and all that kind of stuff, but he's not the head honcho like a Joe Madden or, or all the other guys that I mentioned. I, I just don't believe that he's the right guy that can uh, lead these younger guys, even though he kind of relates to the younger guys a little bit more. I just don't think he can be that guy from now on to be, you know, the leader of the bunch in my opinion. How much of this do you guys put on the GM? I mean, I, you guys have talked about the bullpen. It, I, it feels like year after year we're talking about the same problems with the Nationals. It's the bullpen. Um, and we've gone multiple years now without it being addressed. How much of this do you guys put on Rizzo? Yeah, I think, you know, Mike Rizzo is, is good at a few things here. And Mike Rizzo is good. He does make, uh, at least he has a good track record. He has a good track record of bringing, I mean, the Patrick Corbin uh, off-season deal was huge. I mean, that was that's gonna that's gonna go down in Mike Rizzo's legacy as, as one of his better moves. Um, he he occasionally is able to. In years past, he's been able to bring in some bullpen arms and some help on contending years. But it feels like over the last season or so, Rizzo has not been as sharp as he as he's been in the past. Like Mike said, I mean, uh, with the Davey Martinez stuff and kind of not really being as involved on that end, you had this most recent MLB trade deadline where, yeah, I mean, the Nats brought in some arms, but they didn't necessarily, you look over at the NL East at the Braves and the arms that that team brought in and you kind of go as a Nats fan, you know, why don't we get one of those guys? How come we didn't get them? Instead we got, uh, you know, Rowanis Elias, who's pretty good, and now he's on the 10-day DL for swinging at the plate uh, <laughs> as a reliever. And then you've got some other guys there, too. So I think the bullpen is something that, for some reason, the Nats have spent time and money in every other place except for one of the most important places in baseball, and that's the bullpen. And you and I both know, Joe, and Mike knows, too, that when you watch these playoffs coming up in a few months and you see the teams that make it all the way down the stretch, they are teams with lights out bullpens. That's why a team like the Dodgers may not make it all the way because they didn't really make any moves there at the deadline. And everyone thought, Hey, maybe they're going to go get Shane green or, or an arm like that. Um, so I, I think Rizzo, I'm kind of starting to get a little tired of Rizzo a little bit, especially, I think the one big thing, um, to me, Joe, that will forever turn the Rizzo legacy sour will be if they don't re-sign Anthony Rendon. If that deal doesn't happen, Nats fans will forget about the Corbin deals and forget about these other moves in the past. They are not going to forgive this franchise if they don't bring back Anthony Rendon, who's arguably the best player to ever don a Nats uniform in the very short Nats existence. Yeah. But her personally, I think when you look at Mike Rizzo, I'm a big fan of Rizzo. Uh, but like Ben said, you have to get the deals you have to get done. I mean, I, I don't know if that really makes sense, but 
you have to get the guys that are homegrown, that are on, that are on your roster for many, many years, and, and, and keep re-signing them. And that's the biggest thing about Randall. The Harper situation, everyone was up and down with Harper. They didn't really like his attitude. They it was way too much money. And uh, for the production that he's doing, it doesn't really match up. And then you look at Anthony Rendon, the guy is hitting 317. His OBP is, is over 400. It's like you can't let a guy like that go. And I understand that the learners, you know, they don't want to go for luxury tax and all this other kind of stuff that goes along. And then Mike Rizzo, I think he's getting a bad rap for some things just because of the sole fact that the Rizzos are, I mean, you could just say they're, they're cheap. They're cheap billionaires, which you never really see that because I'm hearing over the radio and, and on TV and everything of that nature that the Rizzo, or excuse me, the, the Rizzo's probably, Rizzo's, are, they, Rizzo's, Rizzo's, there you go. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're not billionaires. Yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> I say their names too many times. The learners that they're not a, a small market team. The Washington Nationals are not a small market team and they're not a cheap team, kind of like the A's or whatever that may be. All those, all those teams, like the Twins and all that kind of stuff. They're not a cheap uh, organization because they're a big market team. Every, people want to go there because it's the nation's capital, nice ballpark, and it, they just don't spend money. And that's the problem is that you can assign Anthony Rendon this season easily, easily. You can just say, hey, we're going to stroke you a check, and this is what you want. This is what you're going to get. Give him a blank check. Yeah, seriously. I mean, <laughs> seriously, you sign him. Okay, I understand it's going to be more money per year than Harper's getting but you're not on the hook for 13 years. You're on the hook for six or seven. And that's going to be in the prime years of Juan Soto coming up here. He's, he's like, you know, what, 10 years old? And then you see Victor Robles, the same kind of situation. So you see all these young guys coming up here, and then they don't have a backup plan like they had with, with Harper, with Soto and Robles. Rendon, if he goes, Carter Keeble is not going to come up here and be an all-star third baseman. He's not going to win a gold glove for it. He's not going to hit 300. He's not ready for that situation. So they don't have that backup plan which I think this is the only thing that you can really, uh, at least recently, go out and say Rizzo did not do this well. And if he doesn't re-sign him, then it, there's going to be a lot of question marks and people are going to probably be calling for his job. Uh, you know, that's a great point. And I felt like the Nats actually made the right call with Bryce Harper letting him walk. I, and when the Phillies, when that money came out, I was like, you know, good luck. That's a guy who had one good year and a lot of okay years and some and some bad years. And I, I think the Philly fans are, you know, starting to see here in year one of this deal, it's not going well, which is bad news for them, but um, good news for everybody else. And I, I think you guys bring up a good point. The one thing the Nationals seem to do every year, I know the Corbin deal is good. It's helped them. It's been a beneficial deal for them. Ben, you brought up a great point. The bullpen is bad in the playoffs. That's what kills them every time they get in the playoffs. They just don't have that guy they can go to. They blow a lot of leads in those games and or they or it's close. And then it falls away at the end because the offense hasn't been, you know, as good as other teams offenses. And then you run into the problem of you guys have great starters, but in the National League, those starters are out in the sixth or seventh inning. And then you have to have the bullpen go three or four innings and you could be in trouble. Yeah, let's not forget we've got the. Uh, what, 55-year-old Fernando Rodney as the like, eighth-inning setup man. You've got... Uh, a wheelchair from the bullpen. Yeah, yeah, they actually... <laughs> they, the bullpen cart is fully used for this Nats team because <laughs> those guys are ancient. Um, and then you've got arms where... You've got a weird mix with the Nats where instead of having, like, 
a regular, okay, this is just a good reliever in the league established, but not a veteran, not a rookie. The Nats are filled with those where they either have young guys like Tanner Rainey, who is, you know, like 20 years old, or Coda Glover, those types of guys that, hey, you know, they're just live arms that hopefully they can figure it out, but they're not seasoned, or they go the full, full other end of the spectrum and bring in journeymen like Javi Guerra and, some, and, and Fernando Rodney and some of those other guys. There is, I mean, as Nats fans, Mike and I, I mean, there's nobody that we feel confident with coming out of that bullpen right now besides Sean Doolittle. And you know Sean Doolittle, who, who's actually kind of injury prone. He got hurt last season, and you can kind of tell right now he's had to carry a lot of workload throughout the season. He could get burned out by the time September rolls around. And you're already seeing it recently, some outings uh, from – now he picked up a nice save the other night, but Doolittle, a couple appearances before there, both gave up home runs in both of those appearances – so, I mean, the Nats, they make these three deals at the deadline um, for some different arms. They bring in Hunter Strickland, who hasn't pitched since last four season. Four hours. Yeah, he had uh, – and actually looked pretty good for the Nats uh, a night or two ago, but this is the same guy that tried to punch out Bryce Harper's lights, which, hey, we're okay with. Um, but that guy's kind of a maniac, but he's got a live arm, so whatever. Uh, and then you have Elias, and then you have the other guy they brought in, and so again, none of these names are splashy. The bullpen is just kind of a, just a, a weird mix of guys that they're hoping can work out. And I think as a Nats fan, that's what's going to be their undoing. I mean, I honestly think this team uh, down the stretch in some important games, the bullpen is really going to cost them. Uh, and I think that that does fall on Rizzo. So that's going to kind of play into my next question here. Do you guys think the Nationals in this race of, you know, five, six teams, depending on how you look at it. You know, I, I look at the Nationals, I look at the Cardinals, I look at the Brewers uh, and the Giants and the Phillies, and I say, you know what? I think I like almost all of those teams, except for maybe the Giants roster top to bottom. I think I like their makeup more and to beat out the Nationals for wild card spots. Do you guys disagree being Nats fans, or do you think this team has done enough to make it? I mean, personally, I look at the Sandys right now and I don't consider the Giants to be a factor. I think the Giants are just overrated. They got a little hot streak, and that's how they kind of got back in the race. Uh, the, the the Brewers, I mean, I just look at the Brewers as, you know, a one-man show. I think Christian Yelich, if he you know, continues his pace, they can st- stick with it. But for the, for the type of production that he's having, and there's still only two games above 500, it's still pretty crazy. I know they're, they're in a tough division, but still, you know, he's hitting, like, Hall of Fame numbers this year, and they're only two games above 500. So I don't really see the Brewers as – a huge threat compared to the um, the Cubs and, and, and the, the Cardinals. But a, as a whole, I look at the Phillies, and I just don't think their starting pitching is as good as advertised. I think, you know, Jake Arrieta, he's not doing so well this year. Uh, for the most part, he's had a lot of bad runs and different stuff of that uh, nature. And then you look at Aaron Nola, he's not uh, you know performing at an all-star caliber each and every night like we see Strasburg did for the last six outings except uh, for his last one. And then you see Scherzer, if he comes back and then – Corbin, the, the core of the, the Nationals for uh, the, the pitching staffs, I, I would say with starting pitching, I think I would lean towards the Nats over probably 95% of the entire Major League Baseball because of the sole fact that if you see Corbin go out there and he struggles for a couple uh, starts, and then it was like, I bet it was about a month or two ago, he had two really bad starts where he let up like eight runs and six runs. And then all of a sudden, the next three starts, he came back, and I think only let like two or three runs in three starts. So you look at these guys and the resiliency they're having. Strasburg's, uh, you know, obviously he's quote-unquote injury-prone, but he hasn't got injured this year. He has, he's leading the National League in wins with 14. 
Uh, Scherzer, obviously, he's on the DL real quick, but they don't expect him to be out for too long whatsoever. Uh, and also, he's a bulldog, so when he goes out there, he's going to pitch at the Cy Young caliber he always has. So I just think that with uh, and, and with also, I should, I should mention Sanchez as well. He's actually had a resurgence ever since his first, I think he started 0-6 or 0-6 and then didn't have a single win for his first, like, eight starts. You know, got hurt, came back, and then all of a sudden, he's just blowing the cover off the ball uh, on the mound. So you're looking at him thinking, can all these other teams keep up with their pitching stats? I think the Nats can give their team a, a chance to win each and every night. I told Ben before off air that, you know, they, they go out there and they score, you know, seven to ten runs like every third game. Uh, it, it's those games in between where they only get, you know, two or three runs. Can they hang on for wins? And that's when the bullpen comes into play because you can't have a night like last night where, yes, Strasburg had one of his off nights, but at the, at, at the point where you get to the bullpen, you can't waste all the arms and then have all the pressure go on Corbin or Scherzer or wherever to go out there and try to give you seven great innings. So the, uh, the pressure with the bullpen is the biggest issue right now because you see Soto, you know, he's hitting the cover off the ball and uh, Adam Eaton's uh, playing pretty well. And same with Trey Turner. The top four guys are, are batting real well. It's just when you get down to the, to the nitty gritty of the bottom half of the lineup and those, those relievers uh, to the point where I think that's going to be the make or break situation here when it comes down to wild card. Here's what I think, Joe. I mean, we know that it's going to be an NL central team in the wild card. We know that it's either going to be the Cubs or the Cardinals or the Brewers. I mean, one of those teams is going to win the division and one of those teams is going to take a wild card spot. Um, The reason why I think the Nats might have a better chance of them like a Milwaukee is the fact that, we know that that last month of the season is heavily made up by interdivision games. So we know that Milwaukee is going to be having to face some pretty tough games heading into their last couple months. And that's a team that's actually, as Mike said, has kind of actually gone cold a little bit for their last six. Um, They've lost like three or four in a row. They've got the series against the Cubs. And then um, again, the run differential too is really low. Yeah. And then you got in, in September, you've got them playing the Cubs four times. You got the Cardinals, Padres, Pirates. I mean, so I, I think, I, I like Milwaukee. I'm going to go see them when they come to Nats Park here in a couple weeks. Um, but I do think that that kind of helps the Nats out a little bit. Is Milwaukee playing in that NL Central now? The it, I think it's going to come down to between you know the Nats and the Phillies for that second wild card spot. I think these uh, I think they play each other a couple more times. I think those are going to be crucial games. And uh, but I, I agree with Mike. I think the, the 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 starting rotation for the Nats is so strong. Um, while the, they can make up for the bullpen's mis, you know, misgivings. Yeah. The, the, the bullpen not being good can be – the Nats can kind of cover that up, and that's what they've been able to do for a lot of the season is cover up for those mistakes. Uh, but it's going to be interesting, man. I think I think there's some big games left for, for the Nats here, um, not only this month but the next month. I mean, they've got the Giants coming up. They've got the Brewers in a couple weeks, as I mentioned, the Cubs. they got that big two-game Beltway series against the Orioles. <laughs> That's right, for the Masson Masson Cup, which I didn't know existed until this year. The Masson Cup. Here's a question for you, Joe, real quick. Why can't the Nats and the Orioles get a weekend series? Why they used to do it all the time. The they used to do it all the time, and they changed it. And I don't, for the life of me, I don't understand. Because from Who's the standpoint of... travel to Baltimore or or D.C. in the middle of the week? We, it's because the Battle of the Beltway... Well, then why are you or battling getting, the Beltway to get there? Yeah, you're battling the Beltway for four hours to get to Camden Yards if you're in a, one of the best, the crown jewel of the East Coast ballparks. Camden Yards is my favorite park in the world. 
But I can't go and see a Nats Orioles game on a Tuesday driving from uh, Northern Virginia. It's just not going to happen. They got to get those games back on the weekend. I don't know what they got to do. I mean, the problem is, of course, these two teams are kind of feuding with the mass and suit oh, yeah. lawsuits, blah, blah, blah. But you got to get a weekend series. I'd love to go see the Orioles at Nats Park on a Sunday afternoon. I mean, there's nothing better than that. But instead, they're going to be playing Tuesday, Wednesday, the 27th and 28th here of August. <laughs> here we go. Yeah, I, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna tell Lila we need to get you guys on again so we can talk about that mass and suit because it is rather one one sided on our podcast right now. Um, but... Okay, yeah, you, yeah, we can definitely do that sometime. <laughs> hey, I'll, sure. tell you, I'll tell you one thing though. Whenever I go to Baltimore, I always make it a case to wear my mat stuff because they hate it. I tell you, like we don't. I I, I love the Orioles. But every Orioles fan that's out there that lives in Baltimore, they just they just hate the Nationals. If you wear anything, they give you the dirtiest looks. I had a friend that used to live in Baltimore, and I used to go visit him, and we went to the Horseshoe Casino up there, uh, right next to the ballpark. And I tell you one thing, I've never gotten such dirty looks in my life. Like people literally look like they want to punch me in the face for wearing a, a, a Pudge Rodriguez jersey. I'm like. What's wrong with you people? Like, do I have to take the jersey off? You just stop staring at me? Like, it's yeah. Like, those fans are, are those fans are ruthless towards 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 Nats fans. You're right, Mike. I mean, it's they, they don't <laughs> they do not like, not like Nats. Sitting there on the roulette table, and all of a sudden, uh, yeah, I, I, I had to keep. It's not shared because Nats fans, like, Nats fans, Nats fans. I mean, Orioles were the only team in town, so Nats fans, uh, uh, you know, appreciate Baltimore. But O's fans, man, they don't like the shiny new kid on the block. I'll tell you what, yeah, especially the one that's winning. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, that's part of it right there. Um, <laughs> here's the other thing that kind of just irks me. And uh, Leland and I got into this, uh, oh gosh, maybe a month ago or something. And I, I told him, as an O's fan, I just don't care about the Nats. I don't root for the Nats. Um, and I just don't care how they do year to year. Uh, and so I'm more focused on the Orioles, and my hatred is devoted to the Yankees and the Red Sox for all eternity. But, sure, sure. So you're indifferent. Yeah, I'm indifferent. Now, I, I will be honest. I, I I do know that O's fans love to make fun of Nats fans. I know that a lot of Orioles fans view some of the spending issues as Nationals caused because this new team is in the market, which means less money for the team, which means less attendance, which means we get bagged on by the media every chance the media gets about, look, there, no one comes to their games, which that's a whole other thing. When, when you're the worst team in baseball, why are people going to go to the games? <laughs> I, I don't blame fans for not going to the games. I think that's a dumb argument. In 2019, as much as it costs to go to baseball games, uh, it, to be like, well, why aren't fans going to the ballpark to support this 30-win team? And be like, I don't know, probably because they only have 30 wins. But um, I also think when players talk about it, it's ridiculous. But I won't go into that right now. Uh, as for me, Leland said, you know, the Nats, you know, the, I would rather be the Nationals than the Orioles. And I was like, I mean, that's fine. But since the Nationals have moved here, they've gotten zero playoff series wins. The Orioles have more playoff series wins since the Nationals have been here. Uh, we've been in the head-to-heads. The Orioles have outperformed the Nationals most years. They either split or the Orioles win the series the majority of the season. So I don't know in the head-to-head why you would say that. I don't know in... Look, total wins, yeah, the Nats have been relevant more years than the Orioles. And this is the other thing I told Leland. It's not that the, I mean, the Atlanta Braves have research, had a bit of a resurgence now, and the Phillies were pretty good there for a little bit when the Nats were in town. But most years than not, the NL East hasn't been nearly as good as the AL East when you're going up against the Yankees and the Red Sox every year. And, oh, for sure. and now the Rays are good again. So, you know, we'll see what happens with the Rays. I, they'll have a sell-off here in another year or two when those contracts come up. But until then, they're going to be pretty competitive. And so, like, 
I think for a lot of Orioles fans, they they do get tired of hearing about how great the Nationals are and how the Nationals are the better run organization. When you look around, you're like, well, where's the playoff success to prove that? Um, because I think if that's what you're talking about, if, if look, the Washington Capitals have how many presidents trophies banners? They finally got a Stanley Cup last year, which thank goodness, because that was aggravating to watch in the playoffs year after year, watching them fall on their face. But I think, you know, that's the frustrating part for Orioles fans. They look at the banners they have, and yes, they were a long time ago, but we were in an ALCS where we did get swept by the Kansas City Royals, but that team went on to win the World Series. And that was a series. I watched every one of those games and cried myself to sleep after every single one of them, but felt like, man, we had the better team. I still don't know how that Royals team beat us and then went on to win a World Series, but it happened. And when I look at the Nationals, I'm like, the best you guys have done is get to an NLDS when you won the division and didn't have to play in a wild card. Yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> and you've got a better park. Yeah, no, I do like, like oh, yeah, Nats Park yes. isn't a dump. I'm not going to poo-poo on Nats Park, but I've always said oh, my ooh, my oh, one oh. thing for Nats Park is they should have turned it um, because I, th- is it the Washington Monument or no, the Capitol building is behind home plate. Well, that's the thing is when it first opened, the Capitol was out in left field. But now since then, because of all the infrastructure that's been built up in yeah. the area, they're just building high rises. And now uh, the, the, the building that's blocking the Capitol is the building that the local DC Sports Talk building is. I would see, uh, not CBS Intercom Radio. Mm-hmm. So it's like that they, they're in that building now. So it's like they're, they're kind of just looking at like apartment buildings now. <laughs> it's like there's just no cool backdrop. But then they, yeah. also, they, they also said something they were trying to, I think it was like three or four years ago, they were trying to get a dome. Over top of it, do you remember that, Ben? It was it was something they had, but they obviously turned it down. The taxpayers or whatever, uh, they, they they turned it down. Uh, that that notion to have a dome there, but like you said, I think I think you were trying to, to get at at the same time is you wanted to, them to have a nice backdrop because the O's, you know, Utah Street, all that kind of stuff in right field. You had the big wall with all the scores on it and everything like that. Then you had you know over the Red Sox, you had the Green Monster. Like you, you, you need something better. And obviously, Cannon Yards is just trumps. And that's part and, and all, all in all. For you. Yeah, you need some personality. You need some personality in a ballpark, and we, we know Camden has that. And and no, your what your your critiques of the Nats are, are and Nats fans is, is is perfectly fair. The Nats have made the playoffs and and bad division years when the Braves were bad and the Phillies were bad and the Marlins are terrible and the Mets are trash. Well, the Mets were okay during some of those years, but uh, yeah, the Nats make division series and then they don't get the job done. And as a Nats fans, it's infuriating because the Nats, and that's why even if the Nats make the wild card and let's say they win the one game playoff, they're going to lose to the Dodgers in three or four games, (laughs) or, uh, you know, it's going to be a rough series. They're going to lose. And it's just going to be, all right, here was another division appearance. I guess everybody gets to keep their jobs and that's, what's going to happen for the Nats yet again. Uh, I think think they would would lose to the Dodgers, but I think it probably would go at least six because you have to look at the, 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 the postseason success for Kershaw. Obviously, Scherzer hasn't had the best postseason, postseason success, but Kershaw hasn't been the best in postseason either. Obviously, they got they have Ryu or Ryu. Or the Dodgers are better, way better. They're, they're, they're better. They're way better. That. That's why I said they're going to lose, Ben. All right? get, get, over, get over yourself. <laughs> okay. So the, the, the difference is here that I said they're going to lose, but they're going to probably lose in six games because you have to think of possibly a, a game-winning home run well, five. Story, like he's been doing. Isn't out of five? Yeah, yeah it's, it's five. five. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, maybe I wanted to add some games. You got a problem Okay, okay. I didn't realize <laughs> you were the commissioner. And there'll be playoffs are too long already. Yeah, I'll go four games then. Four games. Okay, well, I think the Nats will get swept by the Dodgers. 
because the Nats have one lefty pitcher in Patrick Corbin and nobody else. And meanwhile, the Dodgers is lefty heavy. That's true. And uh, I think they're going to and, – and the Nats were supposed to go get a lefty reliever here in the all-star deadline. Instead, they bring in, uh, again, Rowanis Elias, who uh, who tweaks his hamstring uh, game one. So I think it's just not uh, – I just don't think it's in the cards um, for the Nats this season. I mean, they'll win the wild card. Mike and I will be happy because we get to do a live – you know, we'll do a live show or something like that for the playoff game and – um, but, uh, yeah, it's not, it's not happening anytime soon. I think for, for Nats fans, because that division has gotten pretty, the Nats missed their window. Let's just put it that way. The Nats had a, a nice little window opportunity when the division was bad to possibly make a run at this thing. And, uh, they missed that. And now you've got a team like the baby Braves who are playing great. You got Philly who's put in some money and brought in a lot of talent. And then you've got luckily still the terrible Miami. Well, honestly, what I want to look at right now is, you look at the future years for the Nats. I know this is obviously Joe's show, but we're kind of going off through our own podcast here, apparently, Ben. Uh, basically, when I look at the future years now, again, I said I'm not a big Ryan Zimmerman fan, but that's like 18 million or something coming off the books next year. You got Trevor Rosenthal coming off the books, Brian Dozier coming off the books, all these guys they signed for one year deals, and obviously Ryan Zimmerman's big contract coming off the books. I'm going to see what he does, uh, you know, after the season ends. Because if you, if you look at what they have right now and the stability they have, if you can re-sign Rendon somehow, some way, you got Juan Soto, you got Victor Robles, you got Trey Turner, Carter Keyboom, all these guys coming up. You can figure out your catcher situation. You can figure out, uh, you know, a fifth starter situation. Maybe even sign a, a good reliever. You can do stuff like that. So I, I'm really waiting to see what's going to happen when all this money comes off the books and Mike Rizzo actually has some financial stability uh, to, to go with because then the luxury tax resets for him too. So, you know, they're not afraid to go over the luxury tax. They just didn't want to go over for the third year in a row. So I'm waiting to see after this year. Obviously, I can't wait for, the, like Ben said, the playoffs, but that if we make it to the playoffs. But I'm not looking at the playoffs and saying if we lose, it's going to be doom and gloom the entire, you know, offseason. I just want to see what they actually do with all that money that he has to spend. Well, guys, I uh, want to ask you one last question that we try to ask everyone when we pull them on here. Uh, when you guys aren't watching DC sports, what are you binge watching or watching on Netflix or Hulu or whatever it is that you guys watch? Oh, yeah. let's, let's go first, okay. Mike. I was going to give it to you first, Ben. Um, so I'm a big, uh, I was a big Game of Thrones guy. Oh, uh, and God, that was horrible. Yeah. Oh, okay. At the uh, end, sorry. No, I like <laughs> Game of Thrones, okay. but at the <laughs> end. <laughs> No, no, just yeah, the yeah, last it, season it, really it, killed it, was, it for me. It, it was a rough season. It was a rough season. Um, it's it's just when you look at the last season, it was it was just it wasn't put together well enough because the writers and uh, and they actually you know obviously you probably already know this Joe they were going they were going off the of George R. R. Martin books and they ran out of books because he's not done with them yet. Yeah. And then you look you look at they got the they got the Star Wars deal where now they're going to be doing the Star Wars films. So then everyone said, oh, well, they're just trying to rush so they can get, you know, that going uh, and they can get the Game of Thrones stuff over. But, I mean, I just thought that was that was a big um, upsetting thing uh, just to end the, the entirety of that huge series in six episodes. When you could have, I mean, they could have ended it in three more seasons because of, you know, I saw something on Twitter or Instagram or something that they said they could use this, this season as, like, the lead-up to the, 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 the Battle of the White Walkers. They could have done that and then you know, the aftermath of all that stuff. And then they could have done next season, which was uh, Cersei's downfall and Daenerys' downfall and all that kind of stuff. All right, nerds. Every season. All right, nerds. I, I Finish it up. Okay, so that was the Game of Thrones. <laughs> and my guilty pleasure that I, that I, that I watched randomly, I, I, I started watching it like college with some friends because it was a reason to drink. 
Um, but honestly, I, I have a guilty pleasure just kind of watching The Bachelor The Bachelorette. Oh, I like no. watching that stuff because you, I know, Joe. You, you it's, see, it's ridiculous. You see, you see how I don't stupid some of the people are. But I, I do. <laughs> I, I, some of these people are just imbeciles. Like, they're just the, the most idiotic people in the world. Like, this one person, they, they put it as their, as their job was like, like pet lover. It's like, that, that just doesn't, that doesn't sound right. You know, it's like, like people are just so dumb on there. It just makes me laugh. And then you, then you see like, why is this, this, this chick picking this, this dude who wants to go be a singer in Nashville. And he has, I mean, literally it's just, and then this, this bachelorette season, Ben, he gets fired up. This though. bachelorette season it's, ended crazy. Yeah, she didn't, and sure. she didn't marry anybody. Yeah. Well, she, good for her. She let this nice guy yeah. go. This nice guy, she let go, yeah. and then she picked this, 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 this. Yeah, the guy that was a stripper, right? Yeah, he was a stripper yeah. at one yeah. time to make. I, I didn't watch the show, but I saw that. Now he's playing down the street at local McDonald's. Good for him. She good for her. Good for him. I'm glad they'll all be happy. Uh, I do not watch The Bachelorette. <laughs> um, no, for for me, um, I'm a big guy, a fan of. Uh, You're a big guy. I am a big guy. No, <laughs> I'm a big fan of sports docu series. Okay. So I've been. Uh, I've finished up the most recent season of Last Chance You. Me too. Um, I should have said that one was on the Bachelorette. QB1. Uh, I watched QB1. Has that new season come out? Which one? Which the new QB1? Uh, just those those couple seasons. Oh, okay. But then all or all, all or nothing. Um, I'm, I watched the. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of. I like. I like to watch these soccer docu series. There's a really good yeah. one. Um, out there as well with All or Nothing with Man City. Yeah, but I hate Man City. Um, yeah, I know, but like I, it's I like the I like the behind the scenes stuff, and then there was that great Sunderland or Die, yeah. uh, Netflix series. Um, so yeah, I I, I really love uh, sports docu series. When I'm not watching sports related ones, though, I'm a big fan of like those uh, TV dramas on Netflix. You you got your Mind Hunter, mm-hmm. and you've got your um, what else am I watching recently? Uh, you know, uh, Black Mirror, of course. Sure. Um, and some of those. I, I do. A, I do a good recommendation there, though. If you haven't watched it, Dark Tourist on Netflix. It's oh. uh, it's this show where this guy goes around to different uh, like countries and meets some like weird people, and he films it. And it's it's a it's a pretty wild show. It's very weird. Shit. Two comments. Okay, first. Uh, Bob's Burgers, that's a very underrated show. Sure, agreed. Um, but uh, I just felt like saying that, very underrated. I started watching it like last year and I was like, this just makes me laugh. Uh, and uh, obviously, when you're talking about Last Chance You, that would that whole entire ending that was about to happen, like no matter what. Like that guy was a, a lunatic, and of course, that's why he got fired. So it's Jason Brown, yeah, yeah, he's a lunatic. <laughs> Seriously, the, the guy's a, guy's a moron. Hey, he was a heck of a coach. Yeah, you gotta watch Last Chance You if you haven't watched. It. I was gonna say I haven't seen that. I have watched QB One. I'm in the middle of season two right now, and oh man! Wait, so you haven't watched Last Chance You? Oh, you've got to, Joe. I know. I everyone keeps telling me that I need to watch it. Um, it's, it's, wait, have it's you watched worse. any season of Last Chance You? No, I gotta catch well, up. Don't spoil it. I just did. No, he wasn't paying attention. No, even him saying that's not going to spoil it for me, because if this guy's a lunatic, I'm all there. I'm for it. Well, here's the thing. So the first two seasons were at East Mississippi uh, Community College, and this one, uh, the last two seasons are at uh, Independence Independence Community College in Kansas. So they're at two different uh, universities or colleges or whatever you want to call them. So so you have a little bit of time to catch up. You'll probably forget about it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, I got to watch QB1, because the new season does come out. I think it's August 9th. Yeah, it has to come out soon. Yeah, yeah. So it's in five days. Oh my gosh! Set your clocks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, you're gonna lose me on the Bachelorette there, Mike. Um, but 
I do appreciate all the recommendations from you guys. Uh, Ben, I watch a lot of the same stuff you do. I didn't watch the all or nothing just because I hate man city. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I root for Liverpool. I don't even like Cam Newton, and I'm watching the Panthers one. Yeah, um, right now I, I want to watch Hard Knocks when it comes out. Yeah, Hard Knocks for oh sure. Oh my gotta, gosh! Gotta find somebody who has HBO so I can see their account. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you got to see Antonio Brown arrive in that hot air balloon. So true. Ah, so did you see Antonio Brown's feet? No. I saw. I saw. Yeah, I saw, I saw a picture today. Yeah. <laughs> it was like all over Facebook. Got to hop on Twitter or something. There's a big picture of Antonio Brown's disgusting peel it, skin peeled off feet. So oh, check that out. So There's gross. a. Hopefully you uh, already ate lunch. So. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to pass, but um, yeah, well, I'll give you guys a chance. You've talked about it a little bit already, um, but I want to give you guys a chance to plug your podcast, DC Crossover. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You can find it on all, uh, you know, all podcast platforms, DC Crossover. Mike's, Mike and I have been doing it right about a year uh, for that particular version of the show, and then we did some shows in the past. But yeah, DC Crossover, you can also go to uh, dccrossover.com. Um, for the sites where we throw some blog posts every now and then, as well as the episodes. But yeah, you can go download the show on iTunes, Mike and I. Similar to what Joe probably does with some some Baltimore sports, we talk DC sports, we try to hit up every single sport. And also, Mike, real quick, Mike and I will be at, uh, this Friday, we'll be at Segra Field for the opening of Loudoun United, um, that uh, first home game there at the new stadium in Leesburg. Mike and I are going to be there. We're going to be bringing the, some podcast equipment. We'll uh, be doing some food tastings and things like that. So be sure to uh, buy your tickets uh, for Loud United at uh, Segra Field this Friday night, and you can come say hi to us. Yeah. If you see two big fat guys with microphones, that's us. So feel free to come by and say hi. Yeah. But overall, our podcast, like, like Ben said, we've been doing it for – I mean, we've been broadcasting together for over eight years, uh, which is a little bit too long for us. But um, <laughs> overall, when you're looking at our podcast, like Ben said, mainly D.C. sports. We have a lot of guests on. We had Chase Hughes at NBC Sports Washington come on. Uh, Jessica Town from Wildfire Sports up in Philly. Uh, we have a lot of people that have been coming on uh, as of late to uh, give us some good interviews and some good insight uh, as a whole. But then when the Orioles are good again, we'll have Joe Depp. Yeah, we'll have Joe Depp. That's right. That's right. We have, yeah. we have Five years. So, yeah, well, why don't we uh, pre-schedule this for about 2025? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we can get you on the show, Joe. That sounds good. 2025. That sounds ambitious. But, yeah, let's <laughs> let's hope. Yeah. Definitely <laughs> check us out, the DC Crossover Podcast. Again, like Ben said, iTunes, uh, Google Play Music, and also um, Google Podcasts as well, dccrossover.com, uh, DC Crossover Podcast on Facebook, and also at the DC Crossover on Twitter. Well, thank you guys for joining us. Uh, it's a long interview, but it's been a good interview, and uh, it was nice catching up with you guys. All right, yeah, thanks for having us, Jeff. Again, I'd like to thank Mike and Ben. It's been a long time since I've been able to talk with those guys, and uh, you can see um, we just let it roll. Uh, but Yeah. I mean, they had some interesting picks there at the end there. I I just can't get behind the bachelor at or bachelor any of those things. And maybe I'm lucky enough that my wife doesn't make me watch such things. I'm not saying there's not other programs that she enjoys that I wouldn't openly talk about on this podcast, but I I just can't get behind those trash shows between the bachelor and the bachelorette and the real housewife stuff. I just, I'm glad my choice of life uh, partner and my wife that she doesn't force me to watch crap like that and she doesn't watch it herself so i'm thankful for that yeah if i hadn't been watching the clock i think we would have dove deeper into game of thrones with mike and then um been tossing out i know rob's a big fan of the and that's how he became a man city fan of the amazon 
uh, documentary they did on Man City. Ben mentioned that one as well for all you soccer fans. Um, But as I told Ben, I can't root for Man City uh, for a lot of reasons. But speaking of, um, I'll get to them in a second. Leland, I want you to go first, though. What is dominating your life? Yeah, I kind of hit on this point the other week, but I was pretty sports focused. Oh, talking about Angels in the Outfield and all the and Sandlot and movies like that. But probably one of the like the most proud things I've really like the I don't know about most proud, but we were watching it the other day and my oldest was just super excited about watching it. And I think the words came out of my mouth, this is why I like had children. This is why I had you was to watch Jurassic Park with them. Cause that was just like the pinnacle movie that came out when I was in elementary school and I was about fourth grade and maybe summer before fourth grade, I think. And it was just the movie and everybody got to see it, thought it was awesome. I mean, it was just my favorite movie forever. It's still like one of my favorite movies. I acknowledge where it's maybe not the best film ever made, but it had such an impact on me growing up, but I still think it holds up well. I think it's fun to go back and watch it. And it's a certain, to a certain aspect, it's better than these new Jurassic worlds and everything, which, which I have not watched with my kids. Cause I think they're a little bit scarier. So I'm a little yeah. more cautious or I don't know. I don't know them as well. Yeah. Uh, at least in Jurassic park, I can squeeze her a little tighter when they're in that kitchen sink. But uh, I don't know. It's just stuff like that that I really enjoy with my children is like sharing what I enjoyed when I was young. And even if I rush the clock a little bit and, you know, my my first grader is watching what I watched in fourth grade when I was scared sitting on my mom's lap in the kitchen scene, I still like to damage them in that way because it it just gives me so much joy. And it's it's so good. And I'm like thinking ahead at other movies that I can't wait to show them. And some of them I need to wait to show them. But uh, <laughs> it's it's like that. Jurassic Park is just so good. I know I've talked about Twister before with her. That was our Halloween costume of the year. That's like her favorite movie. And I it just this movie's like that that she loves. And then, you know, Finley loves them, too. Um, you know, they're coming along and, and, and picking up. And it, it's just it's fun. It's a fun thing about having children. Yeah. Uh, to be a little bit of a. I like Jurassic Park. I want to preface by saying that first so people don't get the wrong impression. But at what point does would someone say, you know what, maybe this whole dinosaur park is a bad idea after like, <laughs> I don't know, four failures. But yeah. They try it in different ways. I appreciated Lost World when they kind of came back with like a kind of a, I mean, it's the same concept, but it was a little bit different and it had advanced the story and it, the technology advanced. It still failed horrifically. Um, but, Surprise. um, I had a lot of fun going to see that movie too. So I, I don't know. It's, I don't know. I, I agree. I like Jurassic Park. The second one lost world. It, it was okay for a while. It was good. It was, there was some moments I, I don't, I didn't like, um, Jeff Goldblum being like the man in it. Uh, but once they get away from the Island and they're in San Diego and the T-Rex is loose in San Diego, it's, it's the worst movie ever. So it just kind of ruins it, it really put a big draw on that entire series. I was going to say, I feel like. it's a, it's also a good thing that the movie's set in Costa Rica. Cause there's no way one park accident. OSHA would be all up in that Jurassic park would never reopen ever. No way. Oh yeah. That, I mean, that's the beginning of Jurassic park. I, we actually, my daughter and I were talking OSHA about violation. that. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like why yeah, explaining OSHA to her? Um, uh, but like <laughs> we're talking about, cause then the next scene after that guy dies, cause the Raptor pulls him in the cage with him. Uh, then there's the lawyer standing on the little rickety floating, uh, raft coming through 
And like, I'm explaining, like, he's a lawyer and then the guy's talking. So we're pulling from that, like why he has to come inspect and it, all the investors are getting nervous. I'm like, investors are getting nervous. Yeah. People are, people dying. are dying. Like, <laughs> yeah. No, it should be fine. Let's just open security, it up. All this money, all this ways of keeping things safe. Still, that guy's just dead immediately. So I, I yeah, that's crazy. I, I agree with the concept. I, I appreciate they keep making the movies because I like them and I like Chris Pratt and I'm in the new ones. So I like it. Sure. Uh, what is dominating my life? And Andy Bitter, I believe, is who tweeted it when I saw it. Michigan State unveiled some new uniforms uh, this today. Ooh, um, well, lucky you. Uh, they're hideous. <laughs> uh, Michigan State seems to be really excited about it. Um, Michigan State fans don't seem to be as excited as Michigan State. Uh, people with eyes, again, I don't think should look at this. This is not good they've went with the neon green kind of look that apparently is the new popular thing to do i like the Dude, i like the dark terrible. yeah oh i like the goodness. dark green that michigan state normally wears with the white i don't even like when they put the bronze helmet on i think that's ridiculous michigan state has pretty cool uniforms with the regular uniforms don't mess it up i mean these are these are ugly and should never be worn and every time they wear them i hope they lose 100 to nothing so maybe they will never wear them again I mean, at least they're an alternate, and it's not like they're just moving to this full time. But from what I from what I gather over the last years, the young guys like these crazy uniforms. I know Oregon, that's their thing, but these other schools, like Notre Dame, got crazy last year. I think that was one of our topics last fall was how bad Notre Dame's yeah uniforms were. Like, I I don't I I don't get it. But I'm afraid I'm also being like get off my lawn. Uh, about the deal so I, I, these are hideous i agree with well, that but my eyes work and that makes me wonder you know what i defended esports earlier on previous episodes but if that's affecting kids vision and that's what makes them think these neon <laughs> colors look good then yeah we need to cut it out all right what do you need to what do you know that i need to know what i know that you guys need to know is the english premier league is back uh liverpool will kick off the 2019-2020 campaign by facing Norwich City. The Yellow Canaries come into Anfield, I believe, uh, to open the season, and uh, Liverpool will walk all over them. They are no match for us. We did lose in penalty shootouts to Man City for the Community Shield, which was a bit of a bummer. Uh, I didn't get to watch a lot of this game, and by a lot, I mean any, because it was on ESPN+, and I don't have ESPN+, and... I didn't feel I'm like driving to Richmond. Sorry? I'm going to get it. You're going to get ESPN+. Plus. Yeah, I want to watch Peyton Places. It looks awesome. Okay. Um, I don't know what that is. <laughs> no, Peyton that's with Manning. Peyton Manning. No. Yeah. Pass. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, and I didn't want to drive to the Liverpool supporters bar in Richmond for a game at 10. Um, it seemed early that I was going to have to get out there and... There's no local like Liverpool's uh, anonymous around here. Or Maybe like, Charlottesville has one, but why don't I get it going in Waynesboro. Talk to B Dubs, get it going. Yeah, it'll be me, me, and maybe I can convince Rob to join it if we do a Man City yeah, slash Liverpool. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't think B Dubs was going to be open at ten, so uh, I didn't think they would have it on. And like I said, I just I don't know. I don't. My my hope is if enough people band together and stop paying for all these streaming services, enough of them will go out that they'll just consolidate. 
and I won't have to pay as much as a cable bill to get them. The opposite way, I think cable's gonna have to worry more about those. Oh, than... Okay, well then we're you're basically paying a cable bill to get them. So uh, yeah, that's I think that's what we're going part. to. I think where you're gonna Great. it's gonna turn into where we've all wanted on our cable to pick and choose which channels we actually get. But you don't. I think you're gonna that's the pick problem. And choose you... these services that you actually want that like I like most of Netflix programming. I'm getting Netflix and I'm getting Hulu. Or I want Prime and I want the Disney one. Like I, th- I think that's where you're. I think it's where it's going. Yeah, but these TV streaming things like PlayStation View and Sling. I mean, it's still the same thing. They're still bundling a bunch of channels. Well, I think that's a medium. I think that's like the middle ground. I, I think I, I, everything's pointing the way I'm saying. So we'll see how it adjusts. And eventually, Directv is going to have to adjust their plan if they're going to. Um... Oh, the ACC network is about to cause me to cut Comcast. By the way. Yeah, I'm glad that's I can't get Comcast at my new house, but uh, that was a, a happy thing to still have direct TV. So what do you know we that need we need to, to know? What what have we been burying the entire episode? The reason we need the ACC network is to watch the Hokies first game. And that will be the last season opening game for Bud Foster at Virginia Tech as he's going to step down. We've completely buried the lead here. We just held it for the end. We wanted to keep our our, our listeners online here. Uh, but. <laughs> Bud Foster stepping out of the way, um, and I don't say that he's in the way. We all knew someday Bud Foster wasn't going to be coach. I don't think I was ready for that day, but maybe by the end of the year I'll have accepted it. Um, It is kind of a victory lap. I think there might be something to the idea that once he kind of talked to administration and stuff that this might be the way he's headed, they were encouraging him to do this, make the announcement, and take the victory lap because the home schedule is terrible for the Hokies. I'm – not beyond that conspiracy theory that there might be the reason this was rolled out now was because of that. But if this is, if, if in December, hopefully January, he coaches his last game for the Hokies. I, I don't think that's the last game he coaches. I, I could easily see him if he really wants to draw back, I could see him being like a high school football coach. Not saying that those guys don't work hard. I just have to, assume from what I know that it's a different pace throughout the year. Well, you're not going out um, on recruiting trips in the off season for yeah, one, but I just doesn't seem like this guy's fire is, is going to be put out and maybe he sits a year or two. I just imagine we're going to see him coaching again. I'd prefer it to be at the high school level and not a d- different college, but I think he's too good at what he does. I think he, he gets a lot out of what he has that it, I think it's gonna be hard for him to, just put that to rest. And um, I've heard the word retirement, but I also heard step down. And I'm just interested to see what truly is in his heart about doing this. But it might be the right time to kind of, you know, he's been at Virginia Tech since 86. Is that the stat? It's I been mean, a it's while. Terribly yeah. long. And and it, maybe it is time uh, for his sake. I, I would take him. If he said, no, I'm staying another 10 years, I'd take him. I like him. He's He's earned a lot of credit in my book. But that's what I know you need to know. He's retiring, and I, I hate to see him go, but I'm going to accept the fact, and I'm going to wish him well when he leaves. Yeah, um, he has been a pillar of this football program right up there with Frank Beamer. Uh, I, w- I would still say Frank yes, Beamer's... Yeah, statue right next to him. Yeah. yeah, I would say, you know, obviously Frank Beamer was the head coach, so he is the most important uh, coach in the history of Virginia Tech football. And I would say Bud Foster's right behind him. Um, yep. Uh, and... It's been really cool to see a lot of the fan pages on Twitter for Virginia Tech post all these, you know, memorable defensive moments. 
uh, with Bud's defenses. And the sad part about that is, I mean, they're going back a ways to get them. Uh, they're not recent. Uh, a lot of them. Well, they got to be meaningful. I mean, that's that's the thing well, about those okay. When you stop Pittsburgh on the one yard line, when you both suck, it's it's not as meaningful well, as when you stop. But Miami. that's going to bring me to my next point. I I love Bud. I don't even really blame blame Bud for what's going on here at Virginia Tech right now. Um, I look the defense wasn't good last year. I think some of that was injuries. I think some of that is recruiting is not what it used to be at Virginia Tech. And sure, Bud. That's part of Bud's job, and so some of that falls on him. But I know Bud's bringing in some of our best offensive players, which for the life of me, I can't figure out why he's recruiting offensive players. But the th- offensive guys love him. Yeah, and I the defensive guys love him, and I think that's the one, yeah. the other aspect of this. I think you're going to see some of these defensive guys rally and just give it everything they have. I don't think you're going to see what you saw at points last year with this team just quit, uh, and that is putting it plain and simple. I I do feel like there were games last year where that team quit in the middle of the game and you could just tell uh i don't think you're going to see that this year i think you're going to see this team fight for everything they've got uh and they're going to want to send bud foster off in the best way they can uh winning as many games as possible which is great and i do agree with you i think uh him announcing it now helps sell home tickets i know there are a lot of people pushing for special tributes they've already announced some uh, for Bud Foster at home games, uh, one that is rumored that I have not heard confirmed is wearing, you know, the 90s throwbacks when oh, Virginia Tech yeah. was in their heyday. That I loved awesome. those uniforms. I want them to wear those all the time. Um, yeah. I loved those uniforms. Yeah, they were the, the most basic we get things. Now, but... Yeah, the, the closest we get now is the all maroon everything. But yeah, yeah to but... go all maroon everything from 99. Yeah, and nice. I know those things are basic looking, but I just love them. And that's when we were good. But uh, here's my other concern, Leland. It's basic looking. Is Alabama's uniform, and it seems like it doesn't hurt them. Uh, okay. Um, but here's where I'm going to, I don't know, I guess bring a little negative to your to your world here. That's what we're here for. I am worried that Bud Foster also sees the writing on the wall here. You and I have talked about it. Seven and, seven and five is not good enough. Barely getting to a bowl game this year is not good enough. I am terribly worried that that is a real possibility for this Virginia Tech football team. And I wonder if Bud Foster looks and says, you know, Frank Beamer did some really good things when he was here, and I'm not seeing that right now. I don't think this guy's going to survive in the long haul. I want to go out before this guy goes out. And if I go out on my terms, that means I know I'm going out on my terms. I'm going to go down and with my reputation still intact. If he goes out with the regime, because I don't think Bud Foster, as great as he is, I don't think he survives another regime change. Because I think another regime change is going to be we throw out everyone and just get a new staff in here. Um, and I think that's coming. I I hope I'm wrong. I hope Fuente has a great football season this year and Virginia Tech gets back to what they used to be. But I don't think that is the case. And I'm basing that on everything I have seen in Fuente's tenure from the more of his players I see, the less wins I see, and the more we get out coached in a second half. Uh, and to me, the difference between first half and second half is the most glaring problem when it comes to Virginia Tech football. I've seen Virginia Tech go in with the lead or very competitive in a game at halftime to just absolutely getting shell-shocked in the second half. And it starts early in the third quarter. And that is 100% coaching, in my opinion. And so when that happens... I, Sorry, you look at the head coach and you say, what are you doing? Uh, that's another reason why it's even more glaring to me when he has that little huddle on the sidelines where the team goes in the locker room and he gives that little speech, which apparently is lay down like dogs next half. Let's go. 
Um, I, I don't know what is said. It must be the least motivational thing imaginable in the English language because too many games did I watch a team go out there and just totally spank us in a second half. Uh, somehow we managed to come back against UVA after we were getting blown away in the second half. We managed to summon enough courage to go out there and win a game uh, beyond reason and fact and logic. But I, I, I do worry that that's another factor here is that Bud Foster looks around and says, you know what? This is not the heyday of Virginia Tech, and I don't think this guy's going to have too many more seasons where he's around, and I don't want to be here when that happens. I hope that's not the case, obviously, but I understand where you're coming from with looking at it that way. How about that? That's fair. I don't have enough to argue. I mean, it's a thing. I know we're on here to argue with each other, but like. I'm not I, wrong is what, what you're I saying. From? What do I pull from to, <laughs> to argue with you? Like, we do lose more games the more Fuente guys get there. Like, I we were hurt. We were yawn and hurt on defense last year. It's the That's the cop-out I would give you, but. Yeah, and that's a fair point, but the offense wasn't great either. Yeah, so. I don't know. I'll miss Bud Foster. I'll root I will for too. him, barring him going to uh, maybe three different schools. Um, <laughs> I hope he could get – I'd like to see him coach, and I just don't believe he's done. If he's done, great. Go, you know, wakeboard on Clater Lake for the rest of your life, then that sounds awesome. That's what I prefer him to do because I'd hate to see him with a different hat on. But if he does go coach somewhere else, I'd really like him to stay at high school or something. And Pulaski I'd be rooting high school team all the time. Yeah, Pulaski go coach County. Pulaski. And, go, go Cougars. Yeah. Yeah, make it happen. That would be awesome. I I would root for that completely. All right, let's get out of here. Thanks, everyone, for listening to another week of the Yak Sports Podcast. Make sure you're following us um, at Yak Sports Pod at Twitter, at Yak Sports Pod on Facebook, and our email address is yaksportspod at gmail.com. Make sure you're subscribed to us on Podbean, Apple, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify and make sure you're telling your friends so they're not missing everything that's about to come with the high school seasons getting back underway and uh, particularly we'll have plenty of football talk week after week as well as some highlights of the volleyball seasons and golf and everything else that happens we will hit the highlights of those and we look forward to covering that but it's been another great week with Joe Deck I'm Leela McRae and thanks for listening to the Yak Sports Podcast. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.